so the word I felt God say that he wants to bring this morning, the word that he gave me last night was, are you driven by love? 1 John 4, are you driven by love? So that's where we're going to go. So I'm going to start my timer now. Because up until then, it was just background. So I said this a couple of weeks ago. God is a God of emotions. And uh, God is the God of love. But here's a question. Who here loves to do pointless things? Anybody? Show of hands. Not a rhetorical. Anybody here love to do pointless things? Really? Really? Okay, I thought I was going to get you guys there. So here are some pointless things I've thought about that we can engage with for those of you who love doing pointless things. And I got, while I was thinking about this, I, I was reminded of Alanis Morissette's Ironic. I don't know if it actually fits in English, but that's where my mind went. But, but the first thing was, do you remember, most of us aren't in school anymore, I don't think, but do you remember ever waking up on a Saturday morning getting dressed for school and then a parent walks in and says, it's Saturday. And you try to be cool. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's a little bit pointless. Have you ever missioned to get to the office for a meeting? And then when you check the details, it's online. <laughs> Have you ever, I love this. I love making the bed in the morning. Have you ever made the bed in the morning? And then your spouse walks in and says, we're doing laundry today. Yeah, it's, it's funny when you, when you laugh about it in hindsight, right? But deep down, whenever that happens, you have that feeling of like, ah, I hate pointless things. I've got too many actual things to do to waste my life on pointless things. So let's put up the scripture. One, one, you, you, by now, okay, the Millies guys know I'm, I'm a bit crazy, so you know I'm going somewhere. That everybody else is a bit worried. But, Sorry? Am I normal? <laughs> I received that. Thanks, Jeremy. So we can put up 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians, sorry, 13, 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. You all knew I was going here. As soon as I said, are you driven by love? Everybody knew I was going here. So if I speak in the tongues of men, and this is Paul, this is Paul. And, and the, something interesting that struck me about this is I've always read this in the hypothetical of he's speaking to a church and he's saying, if you, and then I read it last night and I was like, he says, no, I, if I, he's talking about himself. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which he did, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, which he did, and understand all mysteries, which he did, and all knowledge, which he did, and if I have all faith, I mean, you've got to have some faith to be shipwrecked three times and stoned to death once and come back from the dead. So he, he definitely had some faith there. Huh? And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, which he did, and if I deliver my body up to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. So here's the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote what percentage of the Bible? A lot of the New Testament. 
And he, in the fullness of everything that he did, in the fullness of everything he saw, he could stop and say, but everything I've done, everything I'm doing, everything that God has called me to do, if I do it with the wrong motive, I might as well not have got out of bed this morning. (laughs) So that's a crazy thought, right? And now we all have to be like, okay, so what is love? And then you expect me to go and read the definition as he wrote it. I'm not going there, guys. You can read it in your own time, but I'm not going to go there because it's so limited. That scripture, as beautiful as it is, is not the fullness of the love that God is calling us to. So here's the interesting thing, though. The guy writing about love was a murderer. In in the beginning, when we first meet Saul, who became Paul, there was no love. There was just zeal. He was a murderer. And yet God taught him how to love. And so the good news for each of us is wherever you find yourself this morning, God has love for you. God will teach you how to love in the fullness of what he has for you. Okay, so taking a step back away from Paul and thinking about yourself quickly, because we all do think about ourselves a lot. What are you so busy with at the moment? We all get so busy with the things of God, with ministry, and it's good, but it's, it's good, but it can be worthless at the same time. And so here's some, th- here's some thoughts of what God, God put on my heart. Maybe you're a comm leader running a community. Maybe you're attending a community. Sometimes that can be equally difficult. We spoke about 412 earlier. Maybe you're planning for 412. Maybe you're part of the hosting team or the volunteer team or the whatever else, and you're preparing your heart, and you're going to go after this meeting immediately home to go count your money and buy your ticket because you want to go. And I want you to go. And Jesus wants you to go, more importantly. But don't even go to the 412 conference out of duty. Nothing we should do should be out of duty. It should be because God has put a love in us for him and for his people. And out of that, we do everything. Maybe you like speaking to people. I was hanging out with Jeremy, and Jeremy, to me, is an evangelist. So I was hanging out with Jeremy. I was doing a lot of laughing. He was doing a bit of crying. We were at the barber. I'll let him tell the story. (laughs) And Jeremy just starts talking to some random stranger. Not out of duty, out of love. Because he saw somebody. He's like, this person needs Jesus. And God gave him love for that person that moment. So even evangelism, not out of duty, out of love. Somebody phones you up and they need help, they need guidance with their finances, with whatever. You're like, I want to help this person. Don't do it if there isn't love. In all things, in everything we do, at the center of everything we do, we cannot afford to not have the love of God. 
that's right. So I'm going to, that was one scripture, and you're like, Ian, I think you're taking it out of proportion. So let me give you a few more scriptures on how important love is. And these are the words of Jesus. So I think he's okay. The first one is John 3.16. Do we have to put it up? Okay, yeah, well, let's put it up anyway. <laughs> we all, you know the funny thing about John 3.16 is we all know it so well we don't know what it says. For God so loved the world. And then, I don't know, but he loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. It's an interesting one because this is Jesus talking to one of the learned leader scholars in Israel, teaching him about love. Love is the vehicle that Jesus uses or that God uses to bring us into his presence. And that vehicle was Jesus dying on the cross for me, for each of you. There's nobody here this morning, like that, that prophetic word, that, sorry, that, that tongue that came through. And for Nadine and I, we were both like, this is the first time she's brought a tongue. This is the first time I've interpreted a tongue. We're seriously winging it in the spirit this morning, and we love it. But every single person here this morning, you are on this planet, you are in this room, Jesus loves you enough to do what he didn't want to do. And it's not just the cross. People are like, yeah, dying on the cross, it sounds hectic. That is not the depth of God's, of Jesus' love for you. Jesus loves you so much that he separated himself willingly or he allowed the Father to separate himself from him. Something that Jesus and the Father had never, ever experienced in eternity, in the, in the, in since the never beginning of ever, because they never started, they always were. That didn't come out right, but anyway, you know what I mean. They were always there. And from that time until that moment on the cross, they had never been separated. That's how seriously God takes you and your redemption and your relationship with Him. But like that prophetic word came about the potter's clay, only if you want it. That's, that's the love of God. It's for everybody and anybody, if you want it. And the example that, that God gave me was the prodigal son. I didn't tell you this, but I also got the prodigal son. And the story of the prodigal son, I'm not going to go into it, but the story of the prodigal son is the story of a, of a young man who goes to his dad, and I'm paraphrasing here, and he says, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. I'm going off. <laughs> Why would Jesus teach that? Unless that's what our sin means. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. I want to go live my life. You guys are all feeling the heaviness of that moment. And yet the father's response is he sat on the edge of his property and he watched 
Every day he watched and he waited and he watched and he waited in the hope that the sun would come back. Not because he needs the sun, but because he wants the sun. And when the sun came back, he bolted and he went to meet the dog. That's the father's love. That's the love of God. <laughs> That's the extent of the love that Paul is writing about when he says, if you do anything without love, it's not your love, it's that love. It's like I love Chinese food. <laughs> not like that. And then if you read that parable, later on there's an older son who hasn't done anything wrong, except that there's no love in him because he's grieved that the father accepted the other son back. And I felt God say to me last night that it grieves his heart equally. Those of us who walk in unrepentant sin and those of us who don't ask him for his love. It's the same thing. Both of those things, whether it's the external of what we're doing or the internal of how we're feeling. God wants us to love him the way and love each other the way that he loves us. So another, another scripture coming through from, from Jesus, we can put up John 13, verse 34, 35. And this is again Jesus speaking and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So we can stop there. So the first thing I want you to pick up there is if you are a follower of Jesus, it is not a choice to love. You might be like, hey, but I'm an introvert, so I don't know. It's hard for me to love people. I'm not like some of those guys who like, you know, they run around hugging people on a Sunday. I, I need my space. Yeah, like, yeah, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. But, but Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, love one another. And then he goes on, and he says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So in those two sentences, Jesus says two very important things. I want you to love each other. And elsewhere he says, I want you to love me too. But, but at that moment he says, because he also says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But in this moment he says, love each other the way I love you. So again, it's not the way you love. Love each other the way I love you. And if you get this right, not because you bring people from the dead, not because you pray for people and they heal, not because you are generous with your finances and have all things in common. But by your love, the world will know. How often are th is the world out there right now and they're like, the church X, the church Y, the church is, uh, it doesn't love because it doesn't accept me for who I am. The church doesn't love because it's not giving away all its money. The church doesn't love because, but the world doesn't understand the love of God. So they're looking for something on the outside. They're looking for something that makes them feel better. We need to be looking for something that makes 
God joyful. Our love, our motive for love, for living, for everything we do, must be to bring the Father joy. And we can do that. It's very simple. We just have to say, here I am, Lord. Help me to love the way you do. And then five seconds later, here I am, Lord. (laughs) Help me to love the people around me the way you do. Help me to keep on loving. Because that is our purpose. God put us on earth. When in Genesis, in the beginning, he said, let us make man in our image. So what are we? I'm gleaning here from all sorts of different preachers. But who are we? We are image bearers. We have the privilege of carrying the coat of arms of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A big heart. Everywhere. (laughs) So we are called to be full of God's love. That's our calling. And there's grace for it, don't worry. So then I, felt, then I was like, okay, God, so this is good. I mean, it's good for people to know that we need to love. And then from here, there was two ways we could go. And I was like, so should I tell people how to love? And I felt like God said, no. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I was sharing with, with the Millie's congregation a couple of weeks ago. Elders, and I might get in trouble here because there are elders listening and they're from other places. But, but as elders... I don't see us as shepherds. I see us as sheepdogs. I see us as part of, because we're part of the flock. We're sheep. Like even to call us sheepdogs is to elevate us. But even as elders, we are sheep. But we act like sheepdogs. We just love running around people, especially AJ. Love running around people to tell him, Jesus is that way. Go that way. Go that way. But we're not Jesus. So I'm not here to tell you how to love ask Jesus he wants to tell you because for each of you it's going to be different and for each of you it's going to be beautiful and as we each play our part and do our thing we become a tapestry more on that in two weeks time sorry visitors (laughs) but I felt God say I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell you to tell them how I'm going to help you see what stops you from loving the way God wants you to love. Is that cool? So there are three things God gave me. I've got to be careful. And I've mentioned three. So all the like, all the OCD people are like, I've got my list ready. Here we go. This sermon has finally started. Ian is giving lists. (laughs) I'll number them. I'll number them. So the first thing that God shared with me was proximity to God, proximity to himself. It sounds kind of logical. If you want to have the love of God, spend time with God, all right? But what's beautiful is how he does it. So the closeness leads to a renewing of our minds. There were some prophetic words that were coming through earlier today, all not prophetic words, just prayers of like, let our minds be renewed. As our minds are renewed, our hearts are renewed. And as our hearts are renewed, we love like Jesus. And so a couple of scriptures here that we can rattle through. I want to see which ones we're going to put up. So let's put up 1 Peter 1, 22. There's 1 Peter 1, 
22. And uh, so up until now, I've been reading out of John, 1 John and John, so you're probably thinking it's just John. I want to show you, there are a couple of other people in the Bible that felt this way about God and love. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Having purified your souls by your obedience. So what leads us to our proximity with God? What leads us to love like God? It's our obedience. As we listen to God, as we obey God, He purifies our souls. He washes us clean. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He takes the the pottery and makes it honorable. In our obedience. So there were a couple of times when I was preparing this that I felt God say to me, chicken or the egg? So what comes first? How do we obey? Doesn't God give us the faith to obey? So what comes first, the faith or the obedience or the love? doesn't matter. The point is, God has called you. He's called you to obey. And as you obey, he will purify you. And as he purifies you, he fills you with brotherly love. So step one, obedience. Here's another one. We're not going to put this one up. But this is 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. And it says here, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. If we love one another. So I'm saying God has called us to love one another the way He loves us. But then this scripture says, if you love one another, God will abide in you. So this is one of those chicken or the egg. What came first? God abiding in us and us abiding in God or godly love for each other. And it's both. As we seek out God, he gives us love for people. And as we have love for people and we exercise that love, he comes closer. And he draws nearer, we draw nearer. And as we draw nearer to each other, we love more. And as we love more, he draws nearer. So sometimes you actually just have to do it. And then the last one is 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9. We can put this one up. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9. And it says here, this is Paul for a change. And he says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. Now this is like me saying to you, I'm not going to tell you how. So I'm in good company because Paul said the same thing. He said, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God. How beautiful is that? If you want to know how to love each other the way God loves you, just ask him. And in his love, he will show you. And then you will. And that's why, why for me, I love the prophetic. Because the prophetic for me is when God tells me how much he loves one of you. 
like that, 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 that tongue that came through. I mean, that was, if that wasn't God saying this isn't of human thinking, I'm going to bring a tongue that nobody understands. And I mean, we waited. As an elder, those like, what was it, 30 seconds. That's an awkward 30 seconds when you're standing in church and you're like, yeah, yeah, I was feeling you, AJ. He was like, oh, come on, guys, somebody back me up here. <laughs> but that's, the, that's God speaking to his people. That's why I love the prophetic. It's like a window where I get to see as the one bringing the word. I get the privilege of seeing you through God's eyes. And I can tell you that there's nobody here. If I look at you through God's eyes, there's nobody here that isn't beautiful. Because he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And there isn't anything more beautiful than Jesus. Okay, so that's point one. Proximity to God. Point number two. Point number two, and that is two, it is two, we're there. Proximity to the body. Proximity to each other as the church, because we are the body. And here we've got Hebrews, we can put this one up, Hebrews 10, 24. And I know I'm using a lot of scripture, but I felt like scripture is the thing this morning that is going to soften hearts and make hearts available. So Hebrews 10, 24. So this is written by we don't know who. So that's how much we're winging it this morning. <laughs> and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. So the scripture we often hear when we talk about how we shape each other any, any guesses? What, what does the church normally talk about when we talk about shaping each other? Iron sharpens iron. It is a beautiful picture of love. <laughs> it doesn't feel very loving. Iron sharpens iron. You can see like the sparks flying and it sounds a bit painful. But iron sharpens iron is based in love. Because if we don't, if we don't shape each other, if we don't stir up each other, and it's not that we will, we need to want to. It says consider. It doesn't say just wake up every morning and you will. We won't unless we want to. We have to want to stir each other up in love. That's why I love spending time with people that love me. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and I love spending time with people that I love. And with both of those situations, it doesn't have to be mutual. I don't have to only spend time with people where we both love each other. Sometimes I'm loving somebody, and they're like, why did you love me? It doesn't matter. God loves me. And so we're being stirred up. We need to stir each other up. And so again, another chicken or the egg scenario. And here's this one. What comes first, loving God's people or loving to be with God's people? It's a tricky one. You think it would be straightforward, but coming to church for some of us, it's like, I don't know if I fit in with these people. But 
I'm going to push through. And if that's you, if you're arriving at church or community or a prayer meeting or whatever else or a bri, and you're like, I'm here out of duty because if I don't, my comm leader will wonder where I am and I don't need more phone calls. So I'm just going to go. That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to have a love for the people that you're with. Because he loves the people that you're with and he loves you. And he's like, how can I love you and you and you? And yet you guys don't love each other. Come on, let's love each other. That's his heart. But he doesn't do it through force. He doesn't like push us into molds and be like, you'll just eventually. No, just ask me. I'll give you that love. Just ask me. And so where, where are you right now? Are you loving people? Are you loving to be with people? Or are you both? Because you should have both. And if you don't have both, that's okay. Just ask. And you can have access to both. Because that is the love of God. Because He loves to be with us and He loves us. And here's the ultimate authority on this. So you can't back me on this one. There's no, I'm not going to put a scripture up, but it's Acts 2.42. But I'm not going to go where you think I'm going to go. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to? And? Fellowship. Okay, the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Where did they learn fellowship from? The apostles. So was fellowship an apostles' teaching? Yes, it was. So who taught them to have fellowship? Who taught them to have all things in common? The apostles through the Holy Spirit. Who taught the apostles? Jesus. And then I can rest my case. Because if Jesus taught us fellowship, if Jesus taught the apostles fellowship and love, then that is what we are called to. But we're called to do it together. And I had, a, had an analogy, but it's, well, let's not go there. But there was something I did feel God say to me about togetherness. When God talks about us as the church, he talks about the body, singular. He doesn't talk about the bodies of Christ. That would be creepy. The singular body of Christ. He talks about the bride, singular. There is one bride of Christ. And he talks about the temple, singular. And so if there's any part of you that is saying, I can love God and not be part of his people, then you have not seen the fullness of the love of God. Because the fullness of the love of God is for his people. And you'll find that with his people. And I'm coming into a land, so this is my last point. My third point is this. The thing that can help you get more of the love of God or pull you away from having the love of God is freedom. Freedom from sin. Yes, I'm going there. Freedom from sin. And a specific sin that God gave me, and this is a sin, 
People don't like to call this a sin, but it is a sin. One of the, the specific sin that God said to me that is keeping people from my love is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Now, there are people in your lives that in the world's view should never be forgiven. And for those in Millie's that were in community on Wednesday, we, we watched some videos and one of them was on the blood of Jesus and sin. And the reality is, as much as it messes with our heads, there is nothing any of us can do that is too big for God's love. We go back to the prodigal son, and he said to his dad, I know I keep on pointing at you, Craig, but I am, but I wish you were dead. I want your stuff. Nothing. If that is not the unforgivable sin, then there is no unforgivable sin as Christians. For the world, there might be many. But as Christians, there is no place in God's heart for unforgiveness. Because if there were, we'd be like some of the other religions out there that teach when you die, it depends on the mood of the God if you're going into paradise or not. What would the point of being a Christian be? What would the point of Jesus dying on the cross be if we served a God that was still going to make up his mind when you got to heaven, if you're allowed in or not? He knows, because he knows the state of your heart. He doesn't have to decide, because there's nothing we have done or can do that can separate us from his love, except reject his love. Here's the scary thought. Carrying unforgiveness in your heart. And I'm talking about people who can, you could be the pastor of pastors. You can be the best Christian you know. You can give 30% of your salary as a tithe and have people in your home every time you got a host. You can be at church every Sunday, three hours before the worship team and leave two hours after the cleaning people. You can do everything. But if you're carrying unforgiveness in your heart, Jesus can't forgive you. Because he said, forgive others as I've forgiven you. See, the thing that keeps us from the love of God is sin and unforgiveness. And if you are here this morning and I'm, I'm laying it on thick on purpose, because I wouldn't be doing my duty if you guys got before God one day and you stood and you said, but nobody ever told me how serious you took this. And so there is no space in God for unrepentant sin, including unforgiveness. But if we come to him and we say like that guy said, help me with my unbelief. Help me, God, with my sin. Help me, God, with my unforgiveness. I want to have a clean heart. It might not happen overnight. 
that's okay. As long as we keep on asking, and we ask, and we ask, and we pray. And when we're struggling, what do we do? We go to the people around us. Because in the proximity of his people, we find life, we find love, we find joy. But if we go all the way back to the beginning, without love, all of these things that we do have no value. They're worth nothing. And I, I'm, for me, do not want to live a pointless life. Can you pray for us? I want to say thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, God, that you make a way for us to love you through the blood of your Son. I want to ask now, I don't know, I usually can say I know where everybody is at that's here this morning, but I don't know because we have lots of people coming from different places. But I want to ask, eyes are closed, people aren't looking around. But if you are sitting here this morning and you are not feeling the love of Jesus, if you're sitting here this morning and you're suddenly saying, I don't think I'm where I'm supposed to be in God. I'm not sure that I'm going to be with him in eternity. I know Christianity maybe. Or maybe I've never heard this before. I've been in church before. Maybe this is my first time here this morning. But you're sitting here and you're going, I need this love of God. I need this assurance of my salvation. I need this assurance that my sins, my, my bad deeds, my bad thoughts, my bad heart can be taken away. And that I can be loved by the perfect God. I want to ask if that's you this morning. Do you want to give your heart to God? Can you put your hand up so I can pray with you? Nobody's looking around. It's just you, me, and Jesus. If there's anybody here this morning that's saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I need to get one before I leave now. You might be feeling some kind of an urgency in you. That's okay. That's God tapping on you gently on your chest. Is there anybody? And I'm trusting that we are all in the body. And then I'm going to ask my, my next question. You know the love of God, but you're suddenly realizing. And I want to say, sorry, I wanted to say this earlier, but maybe you're visiting from Melkbos or you're visiting from Somerset West and you feel like you're on duty here this morning and you're like, whatever Ian asks for, I'm going to go up and pray for those people. Just take a moment. If God's speaking to you, respond. You're not here to do a job. You're here to meet with Jesus. It doesn't matter what congregation you're from. If you're sitting here now and you are feeling that there is something deficient in your love, 
Maybe you've been struggling to connect with God and get into God's presence. Maybe you've been struggling to get into people's presence and the love of the people around you. Or maybe you're struggling with some sin, unrepentant sin or or unforgiveness. I want to ask you to be so bold as to stand. This is a safe place. It's a place among God's people. Like earlier, people aren't looking around. But if if you are here with us and you're saying, there is something deficient and I need more. There's something that I'm not standing on or living in, then stand with us. And don't be shy. There are already some people standing. You're not going to be the first one. But this is between you and God. This is your opportunity. Like I said earlier, you just have to ask. Whatever you want, you just have to ask. And God will bless you. last time is there anybody here that is feeling an urgency for more of God for more of God's love yeah awesome 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 completely honest there are moments and I'm not this is not me trying to push for numbers I don't I don't care about numbers I care about Jesus I care about you each of you walking in what God has for you but there are times when I will stand before God and I'll be like God I don't feel like I love you in the fullness of what you've given me I've missed it and there's nothing more refreshing than that moment when you stand and you respond to the calling of God the warm embrace of the Father running towards you, welcoming you back into His arms. Whether you're the young son who ran away or the older son who struggled to love, the loving embrace of the Father. Let's pray together. We can all pray this, but we can all do with a little bit more love. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that my love is deficient. But your love is sufficient. And that I can have more of your love. That I'm not stuck in my current state, but that you have so much more for me. Amen. I want to pray for you guys.